0: Hello there! Welcome to the heavy hole. My name is Tom. My name is Big Will, aka Uncle Beats per minute. I said of fast, you guys got it right. It's a joke. It's great. <laughs> oh man, my my name is Justin,
1: giggling. Hey guys,
0: <laughs> <laughs> bubbly over here. This guy's got the Boston Market hat on. What's going? You got another job now?
1: Yeah, I uh, I do some uh, some part time over at Boston Market. Um, I they only let me handle the cream spinach though, because I that was oh. the only thing on my resume. Cream spinach professional.
0: Oh boy, spinach manager. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and we're, and we're in the toilet humor already. I don't even, I'm going to dissect that joke. I'm not even sure where that went, but I, I know it went somewhere bad. man.
1: Yeah, I clock in that- and I go, hi, Justin here. I've come to cream. Hi. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> you need it. Jesus. Tom, Tom, Tom Jesus. Ha- save me over here. What do you do? And Tom's got a haggis uh, shirt with the sleeves cut off, and I'm, di- I'm diverting to Tom to class up the show. Of course. What's going on, Tom?
1: Well, I think uh, very much so the class of our listeners understands that as soon as it gets hot outside... You remove every sleeve that you own from the shirt from when it came.
0: Yeah, shout to Tom Andrew. He he knows all about that man. Visionary on cutting the sleeves off shirts.
1: Yes, it is that time to to get rid of the sleeves. Unless it's a long sleeve, then that's blasphemy. You put it away. Wait till it's cold again. Nah, son. I I, I had this long sleeve. Didn't really fit that well. This tomb mold one. Just cut that shit into short sleeves.
0: So sick. Yeah, you got have a scarf. You just put the sleeves together, and you have a big long scarf. That's great for the yep. winter time.
1: They at I like Hellfest and walking. You know, over there in Europe, they there's bonfires of just sleeves, right? I, I think I've read that.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a pit of hell where you just burn the sleeves from uh, black metal shirts all day long.
1: I really hope that's true. What's going on, guys? What's happening?
0: I'm concerned. Um, I have a little issue, and I want to run it past you guys. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a little paranoid. I'm a little, little squirrely. Not going out much lately. I'm growing vegetables. Have a vegetable garden. Growing a beard. Haven't shaved in well over a month. It's getting wild out here. Um, uh, listening to lo-fi black metal. I think I might be uh, a hipster. I'm, I'm check, <laughs> I'm checking all these boxes. I was thinking to my, I'm also drinking. Um. I'm sprung tonight off of the uh, Folger Coffee Co. 1850 Pioneer Blend, medium roast coffee. I'm 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 partaking in different coffees that are delectable. I, I think I'm a hipster, guys. I listen, think something happened to me. Just I listen to vinyl
1: are. and tapes, yeah, yeah, vinyl tapes. Use the word pioneer once this week. That's about it.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. But yeah, collecting my vinyl and my tapes. Um. Watering my garden caring for my feral cat. It's all coming together now. Listen listening to OSDM. <laughs> the, the most important part of being a hipster. <laughs> Come yes. on, I listen yeah. to lots of OSDM. I'm getting we'll I'm getting we, will, I'm, uh,
1: I, will some tight pants for Christmas. Yeah, oh boy,
0: yeah. Yeah, just just get a double X. <laughs> It'll be tight enough. Trust me. Oh man, yeah, I should have I should have pioneered the tight pants thing years ago. I just had to get a double X every time instead of a 3X. Listen. <laughs> Uh, enough about my enough about my past as a straight edge guy. Uh, all those X's. Uh, what's going on over there with you guys? Yeah, Yo, I'm getting better at fishing.
1: That's about it. It's fun.
0: Love to uh, hear. You it. know, I've taken have
1: taken a break, and now the ocean is warming up to me. You know, it, it started out with just a, a bucket of sea robins. Couldn't really use those because I, I didn't have the good information Oof. on them. Then I then I was just been catching dogfish. And, you know those things are cute. got to watch out for that that post dorsal fin spine will sting you and Then uh, yeah now now I'm hooking questionable uh, large uh, Large game just fucking ripping my rod apart and a uh, little baby fluke yesterday um, Off hmm. the dock in Huntington Bay So we're getting closer Aww. with the species or you know with with the giant question marks that, ju- that are just fun and man And I'm loving it. So the saga continues
0: yeah, we're getting the uh, the little eighteen uh, foot Boston Whaler ready. Uh, I'm helping my father uh, prepare that. He needs my assistance with some of that stuff, man. Amazing. We're getting that going. Uh, turns turn seventy four, man. I uh, bought him a little battery he needed for the boat, so we're gonna see how that goes, man. Oh yeah, dude. A troll for porgies. It's that time of year. I feel like such a lamb lubber talking to you guys. Just here, not really fishing at
1: all. I've been watching the show Flapjack, which is very nautical, but that's about as close oh, as sure, I get. Yeah.
0: It's funny because you live closer to the water than me, uh, by, uh, by like a half mile or, or so, or a mile in Huntington.
1: Well, I didn't know you wanted to move in. You could have just said it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was halfway there, then this whole COVID thing happened and foiled my plan, man. It's all right. We'll pick it up again.
1: We'll get you in here.
0: I missed. Mi- I missed your dog. How's your dog doing, Tom?
1: Oh, she's great. This is. We're recording this a couple days after Fourth of July. Fireworks, Yikes. all that stuff. So oh, you know dude. she's. Yeah. yeah. I just got to hold her and pet her like one of those guys. She does fine with blast beats and really fast shit and loud music, but you know how dogs get. I feel bad for him, But at the same time, fireworks pretty cool. There's no right answer.
0: Huh. I, I think a lot of our listeners could probably relate to that um, all across the country, man. This fireworks thing has been out of control, man. Yeah. Crazy, crazy shit. Now we got le- um, legal
1: fireworks in Jersey, so in New York it's nuts. Yeah, Everybody's just gone. <laughs> did that happen? Yeah, I, it did. Yeah. I, uh, I believe a few months ago. Yeah, they, you don't have to go all the way up to Pennsylvania anymore. Oh, I didn't
0: know that. Yeah. The, the, well, the, the, the allegedly, allegedly is, I guess, because you know, a lot of events got canceled uh, this year that would have normally had fireworks, not just Fourth of July events, but like firemen's fairs, openings of ballparks, all that, a lot of that stuff got canceled. So yeah, I, yeah. I heard allegedly that you could get um, a lot of fireworks on the cheap. So that contributed to this this, this outlandish um cyber grind like situation where it sounds like the libido <laughs> airbag is, is playing across the nation every night yeah, wow, you, man. You, um you all go, those beats per minute
1: yeah you could have gone out there with, with a four track and uh and a little you know shitty microphone and recorded your own uh no. more grind record out there in Fourth of july
0: <laughs> whoa 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 don't spill the beans yet my side project <laughs> is coming i've been working feverishly uh around the clock on my four track cassette uh side project i think mean, you guys have been working on something allegedly um maybe maybe not right
1: I, I would I would say yes, but I wouldn't want to divulge any information
0: just yet <laughs> because it's no comment. It is no um, comment.
1: It's something I'm very excited to share with our listeners, mm. um, but mm-hmm. we need to tick some boxes off on the old production schedule before we mm-hmm. announce it. Yeah, it's a little rare. You know, not quite medium rare yet. So, all right, all yes. all right. We're Well, getting, listen. We're
0: good. You're talking about rare. Uh, you're talking about excited to share something with the listeners. I I dropped a little uh, foreshadowing about beats per minute before. Um, we have uh, a guitarist whose band is known to rip rare beats per minute, and we're very excited to share this interview with this guest with our listeners after we recorded tonight. So Tom, get him on the phone and do it as fast as his uh, riffs do. Hurry up, get him on the phone right now. podcast i'm here as always with tom and justin and we're joined today by dean lamb of archspire Uh, dean thank you very much for your time thank you for being with us
2: not a problem i feel a little bit inadequate because all of your microphones are much bigger than mine <laughs>
0: whoa, whoa, whoa! Allegedly, allegedly. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah,
1: Dean actually, Tom on, th- Tom dropped off all these inches uh, to us, you know, during quarantine, social distance, like. So we all we all thank Tom for spreading the love.
2: Right. Yeah. They're uh, they are imposing in stature and. Yeah, it's it really is. It's a power move. I uh, got you guys all have big mic energy right now.
0: That's a power move, man. Dean Lamb coming in and uh, taking over on the Heavy Hole podcast <laughs> right off the bat, man. I love it. Appreciate I the respect. It.
2: No problem. Yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know how you guys usually do this, but I'm just going to hang out and wait for your, <laughs> your uh, instruction.
0: Dean Lamb from Archspire, Spire, man. Uh, we got a lot of questions about Archspire. Obviously, there's a lot of people who follow you on social media, uh, YouTube um, most notably, but... Um, before we get into all that, and the listeners know where I'm going, we always want to know about your background. And the first thing I ask is, are you from a musical family in any way, or a family that was friendly to extreme music in any way?
2: Uh, no, no, I was not. Um, that's not to say that my my family doesn't appreciate music in their own ways, but uh, no one in my family is a musician that I know of, at least not like notably maybe there was a couple guitar players or or piano when they were younger i know my mom tried to play piano a little bit when she was younger but other than that no i just i saw a guitar at my grandparents place when i was like 10 and i was like whoa what is that it was like some shitty acoustic guitar like a shitty like it, it wasn't good i'm sure but i saw it and it was like in the corner somewhere and i was like what is that and i asked my mom i'm like hey what's uh what's whose is that like can i have like have that or try it or something and she's like oh i don't know who that was and it's gone and somebody else i don't know and then like two years later one of my buddies that i met in um in high school so like i there was no middle school in my neighborhood so I went from elementary school to high school and so in grade eight my buddy played guitar and he's like yeah you want to try it out and then ever since then it was just like you know i took lessons from a teacher who was great when i was maybe 13 to 15 he taught me how to jam but he was like this real christian guy and uh so i learned lots of like christian rock songs um which was kind of weird i came up i came up with like a very don't talk about religion in my house kind of thing because no one it wasn't really a religious household but the town i grew up in was really religious so I think I was a little bit of an anomaly in my friend group. Everybody I knew went to youth groups and stuff and had... So there was lots of music in that regard. Everybody played music, but then they also did like the whole church thing. So I tried to find my way through that and navigate not offending people while being still like a goth, angsty kid, dressed all in black. There's actually a picture of me. I played my first show when I was 12, 13. And I'm just like a black smudge in the photo. Like, I'm like, it's (laughs) like, (laughs) I'm just all black, black hair, like, and, uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I I found the right friend group and people that shared kind of my mentality and I got better and then, then take me to about the age of 20. I was like, okay, I'm either going to go to music school or I'm going to join a cool band. And I went on Craigslist. As I do, as I did at the time, like every second day, looking for people to play death metal with, and uh, and I found a wacky, crazy Craigslist post, and it was uh, some of the members of the band that I play in now, Archspire. It, they were under a different name, wow. and but the goal was the same. And so I thought I was okay. pretty good. I thought I was pretty good, and then I went there and I'm like, oh, I suck. Uh, these guys are way better than me. And then uh, since then, I just had to try and keep up and and practice a lot. So not a musical family, but. Uh, plenty of musical friends A
0: couple of questions If I could stop you there You said the Christian songs Christian environment Trying to find your way As a metalhead We've interviewed A couple of people um, That came from A similar environment um, And ended up Not being Christians In their adult life We've inter- we've done a few episodes With Christian metal uh, Oriented people Did you learn like Striper songs Or anything like that Was Christian metal
2: Ever part of the equation Okay so That's an awesome question um, It wasn't so much Christian Like heavy metal, but it was Christian death metal that I liked a lot. So if you guys know of Solid State Records, there's okay. I'm I'm not honestly. I would rather listen to a Christian themed band than like uh like a feces themed band. (laughs) I would. I I
0: co-sign that. I co-sign (laughs) that.
2: Yeah, at least the Christian one is like kind of nice, or it can be. I don't know. It's like the other one's like ah.
0: you could always go with the Bible is actually like literally extremely brutal and and epic, you know. You know, as yeah. literature, regardless of your spiritual beliefs. But uh, um, yeah, no, I totally back you, man. If you want to talk Christian death metal for a minute, I mean, I mean, there's also like not death metal, but there's Believer. There's obviously the classic first two mortification albums. Uh, what's the band Crimson? Um, is it Crimson Thorn? I'm tr- I'm struggling oh, to, to remember sounds- the name right now. Oh
2: man, what a Christian band name, eh? Yeah. What,
0: what were the what were the bands that that you were uh, um, allegedly listening to back in the
2: day? I <laughs> like everything in this podcast is allegedly everything here is yeah, like yeah, yeah. Uh, you know. Um,
1: well, we don't want to get anyone in trouble, man.
2: Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, um, we're not narcs here. Um, so, uh, X-Toll, uh, Living Sacrifice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Zio or Zayo. Zio Zao yeah Zao um, yeah. Zao yeah. Um, Z- yeah Ha okay this is a great one Demon Hunter <laughs> Oh yeah right oh, okay. I mean like okay. the, these honestly if you go back to the Extol uh, stuff they were uh, and they still are a great band um, regardless of how I um, relate to their subject matter lyrically the music I, I still really do like it so great music and and, and really death metal like not. Not like, a, you know, kind of half like, no, we got to put in this element to make it Christian. It's like, no, these were just metalheads that liked this and they were also Christian. I, and I mean, I I back that. I think that's cool. Yeah,
0: we we did a whole episode just for the listeners um, talking about Christian metal uh, with our resident Christian metalhead, John, John Osgood, our friend here on Long Island. Um, and, you know, not to say that that represents any of our personal beliefs or anything, but, you know, I've always made the argument that uh, I don't necessarily um, go, you know, go to church with uh, with Glenn Ben, uh, you know, with his beliefs or yeah. with uh, Christian metal band. But if it's a good riff, if it's a good production, if it's a good album, I'll I'll check it out, man. Um, yeah, I haven't heard the uh, Jesus riff yet. You know, I've heard the, the <laughs> lyrics, but not
2: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> I think like Kaitia Flame did the Jesus riff somewhere, man. <laughs> it's 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 a major chord for sure, right? Um, <laughs> uh, so. Before we get ahead too far, too, because I listened to, um, you know, we mentioned your social media. Your YouTube channel is very active. Um, and in addition to the uh, Dean Attempts to Learn series where you attempt to learn different songs on video um, and provide that content, you do some podcast-style interviews, one of which was with uh, Malcolm... From Inferi and Artisan Era and all his projects, man. Shout out to him. I love that dude, man. I, I, I was uh, lucky enough to spend some time on the road with him when he was filling in for Entheos years ago. Oh, very cool. Nice guy, Malcolm, man. And something I learned from that interview, I'm, I'm rambling in a, in a, in a, about a way just to, just to flex on the research, but <laughs> you mentioned <laughs> that you did um, earthquake drills as a child. I believe you're from Vancouver, right? That's true. Could, could, would you mind getting into that? Because I found that fascinating.
2: Earthquake drills. This is uh, okay. So you okay? <laughs> I don't remember saying that, but I guess we did. But I I don't remember exactly. Do you, can you help me and say tell me what I said? Okay, sometimes? I'm sorry. <laughs> well, all right. Well,
0: here's the other thing. We're gonna um, if, if if you uh, if if we'll go along with the research thing because. Yeah. Um, you're obviously, you're married to, uh, if, I, if I get the name right, Claire Sater, right?
2: Yeah, um, now I have uh, claimed her as my own, and her name is now Claire Lamb. <laughs> so now, uh, okay, I don't know I'm All right. Yes, so Claire Lamb. <laughs> it's, <All> easier, <laughs> it's easier to pronounce. And, and that Beg being your said, I haven't cla- she has also claimed me as her own, so mm-hmm. in, in that we are in an uh, even playing field. But yeah, she's her name is now Claire Lamb.
0: Well, I claim Encyclopedia Metallum. For my research, so that's where that comes from. But thank that's you for good. for that's the clarification. Good. They'll switch it up tomorrow when this podcast is, done, right, is going right, up. Right, right, but right. but regardless, what I'm getting at is she's the guitarist of the Hollowed Catharsis, whose album Kill Owner, if I got that right, is um, out now on Lacerated Enemy Records. Yeah. Um. As of as of this past June, fresh off the press. Uh. That's the plug. But you were doing an interview with Malcolm, and she co-hosts a lot of your content on your YouTube channel. And yeah. you were talking about some something about how, you know, compared to where Malcolm grew up, you had, like, earthquake drills or something in Vancouver. Or people, they talked about there was a huge earthquake coming or something.
2: Well, that, honestly, it's a scary thing because on the West Coast, and, I mean, everybody living on the West Coast knows this. It's my entire life I've been, like, waiting for this massive earthquake to happen and my entire life is not that long. I'm a 32 years old, so it's not like that's a long, long time to wait. But I, I feel like I must have mentioned that in a weird way. But like, it's definitely, uh, yeah. I mean, it's kind of, it's definitely kind of weird. I don't remember. Did I? Was I like? <laughs> I don't remember exactly what. <laughs> I'm the hell sorry, I was dude. I I,
0: no, I thought. I, I. I just. You know. You, you mentioned that people. People talked of some impending earthquake. Yeah. In your I mean, area. True.
2: It's and and we're still waiting. And I mean, like, are you telling me mm. that it's happening sooner or something? <laughs> like, what do you know that I don't know, man? Like, dude, your <laughs> somebody's <laughs> rumbling, man. They got dude they got, they got, they got allegedly oh a few shit going on
1: that <laughs> allegedly dude yeah allegedly, allegedly. Yeah, all yeah, right
2: that shit, hey I mean like if it's gonna happen anytime it's gonna happen now I mean look look where we are you know it's yeah. a oh, good year no. for it mm-hmm. it's a good year for yeah. it oh twenty twenty man.
0: Well, um, all right. Well, listen. I thought um, uh, I just thought f- I found that interesting because uh, you know, being from the East Coast and Long Island, it's not uh, we have we have our own crazy weather uh, and, and uh, natural situations that happen. Uh, but you did mention meeting up with the guys who you're now in Archspire with, um, and they were in a band before that. If I'm not mistaken, was the band uh, Defenstration?
2: Yeah, it was called Defenestrated.
0: Yeah I, I, I okay okay I'm sorry. Yeah. W- was was that in any way a reference to the Cryptopsy song?
2: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Um that okay, so the the way that I got into metal, into death metal and extreme music was a little bit different than the guys in my band. Um so they so Spencer, our drummer, uh Toby, the other guitar player, uh and Oliver the the vocalist and and our original bass player, um they all got into heavier, more grindy, extreme music. And then they found more technical, melodic stuff after that. So they went the Cryptopsy, Morbid Angel, uh, Deicide, Cannibal Corpse kind of route. Until they hit Necrophagist, uh, Origin, Spawn of Possession. All like the, you know, our favorite bands. Flesh, Heart, Flesh God Apocalypse. I found those bands by going through um, first, like when I was younger, Tool. Like, I really liked Tool, and then I went to Opeth, and that was my favorite band for a long time, and that band really introduced me into extreme vocals, which, as everybody listening, and you guys probably know, that's the first hurdle that people hit when it comes to extreme music, and really, like, the only one that I can think of. People are like, no, I want to know what they're saying. Like, I can't (laughs) understand what they're saying. It's like okay i mean whatever i mean who cares but the um sometimes you don't want to know what they're saying um the uh the route that i took was more melodic dream theater opeth and then i got into uh necrophagist and stuff like that from there so they were way more into cryptopsy and i was way more into sort of more melodic stuff and so when i joined the band they're like check out this band cryptopsy my my issue with that is that i had been listening to like production perfect stuff for so long at that point to go back and listen to the older cryptopsy stuff that they were really still listening to quite a bit i found it difficult you know there was something so i never really resonated too much with with cryptopsy or honestly even morbid angel until i realized that oh old opeth is just Morbid, Morbid Angel. Oh, like okay. That it's Morbid Angel with clean vocals. Like okay, and there's acoustic parts, but other than that, like wow. Like the the, the album Deliverance is just like Morbid Angel with like some cl- clean interludes. I was like, oh damn, this is so. It, it took a different route. So yeah, Defenestrated was the band name, and um, t- two things uh, that we wanted to make sure. Uh, for a band name was that it was easy to pronounce which Defenestrated was not and it was easy to memorize which Defenestrated was not so <laughs> we chose a new band name after that because we're like eh, it's cool but eh, whatever so
1: yeah, yeah leave the hard to pronounce so, shit for the uh, album names and song names those could be no one really memorizes those anyway <laughs>
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, leave the hard
0: to pronounce stuff for the one man gore grind project
2: yeah. you know? Right, right right yeah exactly yeah
0: um, so, well, getting around to the the name, then, could you tell us the origin of the Archspire name?
2: Yeah, it's like um, one of the, like I was saying, the two things that we wanted to 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 get was easy to pronounce, easy to memorize. Um, another thing too was unique, uh, like a unique name. So something that you could Google, and all you would find would be that band. All you would find would be that. So we knew it had to be a made up name. We knew it had to be something where it's like the branding is very clear, and if people want to find it, like my my best example of a band name that could have used a couple more days of work would be the band <laughs> Three. Like, <Good> example. try <laughs> to Google that band, yeah. or Twenty
1: Two, <laughs> or yeah. 22,
2: Yeah, I mean, like, I great band, and and there's tons of bands that have kind of weird names, but like, Archspire is a made-up word. It's easy to me- to memorize. It's not as easy. Uh, to pronounce as some people, as we thought maybe at first, some people will say "arcspire." Or some people, I don't give a shit. Who cares? But, um, <laughs> but like you know, in the same in the same way that other bands have sort of gotten very clear branding, we wanted to adapt that, but but use a made up word. And and uh, and I actually, since the band has been named this, so since the early days. On my phone, I've for the last 10 years or 11 years, I've had a 24-hour Google search of the band uh, of the name Archspire, and I hit it on my phone every day, and I see only band-related stuff ever comes up. So anytime somebody releases a uh, review or says this band fucking sucks, fuck stupid band, or you know all that kind of stuff, I'll see it and I'll be like, yeah, oh, fuck you. No, no, I don't, I don't reply <laughs> to people. Like that. But I'll, I'll see, I'll see all of these results. Um, and then I'll just I'll start my day. I'll wake up, look at my phone, twenty four hour Google search, and I'll just start my day fuming mad. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it, it's it's been helpful for finding reviews and, and stuff like that.
1: That's a good way to approach finding a name, especially in the age of Google. Yeah. We did pretty well with podcast name Heavy Hole, but about page three, you start seeing some really dirty shit.
2: <laughs>
0: oh boy! Mm-hmm. Let the listeners um, absorb that because. If you're starting a band or something, because we've talked about, I've brought it up before, how um, we're living in this kind of metal renaissance now where there's like a, a saturation almost of death metal bands um, from all, all these new waves of younger bands, and there's lots of great material. I'm not knocking anyone, but um, one of the things is we're no longer in an era, I always say this, where you can't name your band Grave or Death anymore. You know, um, pe- people got to do what you did. Go, you know, Google the name. We we have Google. We have Encyclopedia Metallum. You know that you have, We have resources now where you can make sure there's no other band. You just got to work hard to find something that's not already taken. You know. So. Yeah,
2: totally true. And and finding a unique thing that's a made up name uh, in a lot of cases. Although obviously there's probably on some weird, bizarre corner of the dictionary somewhere you can find an existing thing that's not taken. But I mean, good luck. You're gonna spend you know weeks and weeks looking and then you probably will be like ah fuck I was yeah but, that's um, not
1: how algorithms work
2: yeah it's like you know something unique and something easily recognizable and easy to spell and easy to pronounce like i mean good luck it's tough to do but i mean it's it's how you have to do it um nowadays
0: and then all three or four or five band members have to agree on it. That's the terrible part.
2: <laughs> That's <laughs> true. That? Yeah. Um, and when you're trying to decide that kind of stuff, it's always great to present options. So our vocalist, who actually yeah. it actually wasn't our current vocalist, it was the one that we had after our original, we went through a lot of members before the band became Arch Spire. Uh, lots of members that came in for two jams and then left. And you know, it was a vocalist for a show and then he left, so... You know, for for the majority of the time, it's been this lineup, more or less. But, um, but the, at the beginning, it was tumultuous. So um, our second vocalist, second or third vocalist, was like, oh, I have three options. And he read out all three. And I don't even remember the other two. But he was like, so which one of these do you guys like the most? And that was the moment that we decided. And it, we, it took like 10 minutes. But giving ourselves options to see... So you delegate the work to someone. Hey, we got to come up with a new band name. Let's figure it out between these three options. It's sort of like presenting, um, I don't know, some like something, some sort of uh, Hollywood creative meeting. You know, you, you need to have options. If you just have one, then it's like, well, that walk, well, isn't there something better? Like having a few t- things to pick from is always helpful for convincing a group of people to do something
0: it sounds like it should go without saying but yeah having those little talks quote you know quote- unquote meetings behind the scenes with your bandmates um, there's certain situations where bands don't have that um, yeah. and maybe they're you know maybe they're just there's not that communication that goes on and you got to get on the same point with you know even with artwork and aesthetic and you know everything about a band you know
2: yeah it, totally. it makes
0: things flow better and it avoids you know uh, conflict in the future. Um, Once you're already invested in the band, but uh, Something I I don't I didn't want to lose track of Um, Tom. I know you pointed out uh, a correlation with with classical themes, right? Archspire songwriting Incorporates lots of classical music
1: and I just want to know where that came from is that you or Toby and the other guys in the band like really pushing
2: that style? Well it's hard to avoid classical music influences when your favorite band is necrophagist which is like <laughs> a classical like it's 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 like all my favorite things about classical music with no major keys no ma- like you know what there's it's like all the coolest parts plus guttural extreme vocals and it's really fast and aggressive but it's also melodic so like that band, because they were such, uh, in my opinion, I think a lot of people have this opinion, such like a a genre-defining band, it's like, okay, well, lots of bands are going to then take that aesthetic and sort of at least copy it a little bit. I've noticed it's obviously quite uh, prevalent in the the genre, but the classical composition thing in our band has become more um, obvious in the last album. And the stuff that we're writing right now, I think you'll find it's even more so. Um, it just, I i went through a big period where I listened to only classical music and like no death metal. And right now, honestly, I'm not really listening to any music. I'm kind of listening to us write and I'm like, okay, three days a week writing, plus the stuff I do at home, plus uh, the Twitch streams that I do and my, like, I don't, I, I don't, want to listen to any more fucking music right now please um but the classical stuff that i listened to for years just made its way and it's sort of like i always say like your ear knows more about music theory than your brain does so your my ear picked up all these tricks that i'm now still trying to explain to my brain here's this core progression here's why it works here's the intervals here's the modes here's the with the whatever but once your ear sort of develops to like a Ew! Once your ear develops a taste for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry yeah. about that. Oh my God! That's like the mm. worst mixed metaphor I've ever used. That is delicious. Gross. Wet willies. Ew! Anyway, Yum. that oh. thing I said—it's uh, kind of hard to go back. So for me, like, that's like the ultimate thing to achieve: cool classical harmonies, cool like cadences, all this stuff. But 350 BPM eighth note with really really fast death metal vocals over top of it and gravity blasting as much as you possibly can and then a bunch of sweeps all over it like that's like my thing and and we're all in exactly the same boat and all of our music tastes have like kept up with each other for the most part so we really all have just developed this ear for it and it's kind of just the direction that we let that we let ourselves in you know
1: i had noticed it before i mean i know enough about music where With lucid collective i was able to pick up on all the classical stuff but yeah relentless mutation i was like all right if mozart had lawyers might come after these guys right
2: now (laughs) oh my god wait till (laughs) you
1: see the next album oh Oh my (laughs)
2: god dude we're gonna get sued if he yeah no we're not gonna sue but uh but yeah i i i mean it's funny just yeah wait until you hear the stuff that we just wrote
1: Good. Yeah, that brought a smile to my face. When I heard <laughs> Requiem in there, I was like, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, dude. Oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah. the um, the Confutatus Maledictus section of Boatsword Requiem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so. I mean, I heard it. I know that people have said that Children of Bodom also use that section. They, I hadn't heard that. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, hey, they're copying Children of Bodom. I'm like, I actually didn't even know that they did that. <laughs> but I, th- I think that's fine. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I mean, like, we're all just ripping off Mozart anyway, so it's not a big deal. Like, you know, it's like if you, somebody's like, hey, you're just ripping off this amazing classical composer. It's like, cool. Like, <laughs> great. Well,
1: I mean, you guys, uh, Children of Bodom and Arc are totally different uh, approaches to that same Requiem. It's like, I, I remember hearing that with Children of Bodom. Didn't really even make that connection till more.
2: Oh, I had I have. I still haven't listened to it. It's,
1: really it's a good album. It's like, uh, yeah, what's okay. it? Something wild. I don't know if you feel oh, you say you're not really yeah. into music, so whatever.
2: <laughs> no 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 no. Uh, <laughs> it's had, it's had <laughs> too <laughs> many
0: too many notes. Okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Just take out a few it'll be perfect.
0: I mean on on that note when you talk about classical music, music theory. Um, take us back b- before Craigslist and finding the other guys was that something that you were taught like did, did you um, in, in general tell us maybe about uh, were there music lessons and what did they consist of for, for you as a kid
2: so my my mom who uh, was always the person that I would be like, Can you listen to me play guitar for a minute? Just like listen to this one thing I just came up with it, or I just learned how to play. Just please. And she's like, Okay, okay, I'll listen to you play it. I'll play it. And she's like, Cool. And then walk away. Like, I mean, I was like captive audience, like, Please just listen to me play guitar. And um, that's not to say she wasn't supportive, but it's just like, you know, she, she's not a musician. And so, so, you know, it was sort of a, a bit of a disconnect there. Um, and plus, I was playing metal. I mean, she's a musician. So I, I don't blame her. Um, so she got me lessons at a, a guitar teacher in uh, in the city that I grew up in, which is just like an hour away from Vancouver. And like I said, very Christian town. And I grew up there, and there was this teacher. Uh, I didn't know because I was really naive. I was a naive kid. And I was like, oh, he's just goofy. And, like, the guy's stoned all the time. Like, he's high out of his mind every lesson. Like, I didn't put it two and two together. I don't know why I didn't, but... So um, so he would have, like, these two, three-hour-long guitar lessons where every week with all of his <laughs> students where he would bring in a kid, and that kid would play guitar. Half hour later, another kid comes in. That kid plays drums. Now he switches to singing only. And then another kid comes in, and I go to bass. The other kid goes back to guitar. Everybody's jamming with each other and learning how to be in a band. And that was, like, so invaluable to me. Like, that, those lessons were so much more uh, than what you would expect out of going to a music store and getting a half hour a week lesson. Like, cause I've taught, I worked at a music store for four or five years teaching half hour a week lessons to 30 to 40 kids. I mean, I know what it's like. And I know the boundaries of it. This was like a totally different thing. That it's not saying that he was perfect. Like his theory knowledge, I hit a block with his th- theory knowledge where I wanted to learn modes, and I wanted to learn all this stuff, and I was like 14, 15. I wasn't necessarily ready to learn it, but I really wanted to. And and he taught me all the basics, but then when we got to a certain point, I'm like, ah, I feel like I need to go somewhere else for this information. Like, I really want to learn it. And um, But but he did teach me how to play with other musicians, and, man, I, I can't tell you how much that was, uh, important to my, my development as a musician when I was younger. I, I, you just can't get that anywhere else. Um, the level of organization, uh, that you get with an adult putting kids together, playing music. Like, I mean, I was playing, jamming with my friends, but it was like every once in a while. And instead you play computer games and nobody was there to tell you something sounded like shit or tell you to tune your guitar. Like it was a totally different thing, but this was very it was very important to my, to my development as a musician. Now,
0: after that, does a lot of the classical stuff come from playing with the guys in Archspire over the years
2: um, um, after that? Well, I, honestly, a, a big reason why I started listening to so much classical music is my wife, Claire, she went to university for classical guitar uh, performance. And so she would bring back all this cool stuff and it started getting me more and more into it and i was like wow this information is really helpful and also i'm just like getting her bouncing ideas off of me and telling me about music history and telling me about like theory concepts that i thought i was pretty good and then she was like oh here's this i'm like oh shit i didn't know that like all of a sudden you know more theory than i do like fucking uh oh man and can't have that well hey i mean i you Mm. know what to her credit she knows way more music theory than i do i'm now. just kidding around <laughs> no i know you are but at first i was like oh what the hell is going on and then eventually i was like damn like maybe i should have gone to music school but i mean it, honestly either way i think my life would have turned out differently but i feel so passionately about music that i feel like i still would have never gone off the track of music but uh but yeah i mean a big thing is just her pushing these like she's bringing this stuff home that she's studying and i was like man i didn't know any of this stuff it's really cool and it just kind of went further and further down that road and it just made its way into my guitar program
0: a lot of our listeners uh like to know about technique and uh you know the uh, there's a lot of people who follow your band obviously for technique and for guitars and they, they learn your songs and things like that so i'm sure they were interested in that and another thing um sometimes we ask people about gear um now i you know i don't want you to go back and retrace your entire life in terms of gear I'm sure you've had different things come and go but maybe um, if it's if it's on the record if it's allowed would you want to get into some of the stuff that you, you're experimenting with or getting into for the new album if there's anything new in terms of gear
2: in terms of gear um, <clears throat> let's see uh, other than new guitars yeah I mean I, I've been using an Axe FX uh, uh, 2 XL plus for four years probably and I really don't see a need to upgrade that, except if I uh, if if we find a replacement that's a lot lighter. Um, I really am not a tone guy, even though I build my own tones and I've worked with companies to build tones and stuff. Uh, you can go to Tonecrate.com and pick up uh, my Kepper Pack, or my website <laughs> DeanLamb.com and pick up my uh, Pod HD tones. But anyway, other than that, um, I um, I I really find like if I could just get a tone that I like, I'm not gonna touch it. I'm just not a person that's gonna tweak stuff afterwards. So, I, I look at gear in more like, how much is it gonna cost to fly with this gear? How much I.O. does it have? Like, what are the capabilities for sequencing things in MIDI for me to not have to bring a pedal board, for me to not have to, can I set this session up in my DAW and just do the entire live set and not have to worry about anything going wrong, and having it sound great, and all my effects change on time. That's the stuff that I really like. Um, when it comes to tweaking stuff, messing around with gear, I'm just I'm just not as into it as other guitar players that I know. Um, mm-hmm. But that being said, I know that I'm really excited about the uh, the neural. Uh, what the is DSP? it? The DSP. Yeah, the uh, Quad Cortex. So it's um, oh they're making their own
1: hardware. It's not just they made
2: there. yeah. It came out. Uh, the prototype was at display at Nam this year, and I didn't get a chance to play it. I was we played at their booth, and I. Um, so here's a really cool example: is that we played three or four songs using neural DSP uh, plugins on the ban- on my MacBook, which is from 2012, so like not a new MacBook at all. We had click tracks, I had in-ear monitors, I had eight outs, with stereo uh, stereo in-ears for uh, Toby, the other guitar player, and myself. Stereo outs to the, to the PA, like it all sounded really good and all I needed was an interface and a laptop. And that's what I want for my band, is yeah. to not have to bring around a 14 pound rack unit per member. Like I don't want that anymore. Like it looks cool, and it's really stable and it never crashes and it's really um uh dynamic in the way that you can do all these different effects but i want to just do it on my computer i don't i'm not like a tube guy where it's like it has to be tubes the difference between playing with tubes live and playing digital with a good digital uh preamp and modeler, it's like man if the audience can hear that then like you know, if they really can hear the difference between a good one of A and a good one of B, then it can't be more than 10%. And is that 10% worth me paying extra money to fly around the tube head Or can I just put it on my laptop and just call it a day and just be like, whatever? It sounds good enough. So I don't know. That's kind of my mentality about it.
1: That's a really honest opinion because there's a lot of gearheads who would like they fight tooth and nail for their tubes and shit.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, and I can appreciate it, but I, I mean, I have a Kemper mm-hmm. and I love it. It's like the only thing right. I use, and yeah, it, it, they just sound fucking good. So, yeah.
2: yes, after yeah, sound-
1: after thousands of dollars of, of tube experimenting, like landing yeah. on a Kemper and being like, I could just dial in this, or if I want something different, dial in that, and I'm not one of the people that can truly tell the difference between like uh, between tube or digital. Well, if, I mean, you I could tell you could tell
2: bad digital. Yeah, yeah. You can tell early day digital for sure. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, the amount of the trade-off between, like I said, paying for the flights, for the extra luggage, for the the temperament of the tubes, um, for any potential damages, rather than just taking my laptop and putting it in my back pot, backpack and then putting like a whatever interface in a rack unit. It's like, man, I that just like you can't beat that even if it sounds like i said 85 90 percent is good then um the difference just doesn't isn't worth it to me and as soon as i can like actually make that happen then all of us are totally on board with switching over and being like f ah, fuck bringing over heavy astray like all i want is the easiest thing to use so that we can come home with more money because i don't know if you guys noticed and you guys actually uh, the exact people we're all in the same boat. It's really hard to make money doing this.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's <laughs> really that, fucking hard. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm
0: I'm the guy that makes the music unlistenable. I'm the death metal singer. <laughs> <I'm> the, <laughs> uh, like yeah. like we were talking about before. Yeah. Um and, and yeah, I, I get it, man. Um Well, hold on, before you move from, on from that, I did want to ask one question about
1: the live situation sure. because it's uh, relevant yeah. to what we were just talking about. So, I uh, I saw one of your videos on YouTube talking about your live monitoring situation, and I thought it was really interesting how you broke all the tracks down into uh, stems and used that in the, your monitors instead of hearing each other off a mixer. Yeah. Uh, could you break that down a little bit more for our listeners a bit?
2: Okay, so uh, I don't know exactly who is listening to this in terms of if they're all musicians, all metalheads or, or whatever, so I'll make it as... Yeah, simple, because it's okay, not... Yeah. I'll, yeah. I'll yeah. make it as open, mixed bag. open mixed bag. as possible. So... Live, we play with headphones, essentially in-ear monitors. We have little, like, um, they're, I, I play with pretty inexpensive Shure headphones, but they're, like, clear and they don't look like big weirdo headphones like I'm wearing right now. And in that, I have audio so that I can play really easily on stage without having to listen to a stage monitor in front of me that oftentimes sounds like shit or it's broken. Depending on the venue that you're at, it's not loud enough. Every night you have to tell your mixing engineer to be like, I, "Can I get more of the guitar? More less of the vocals? All this stuff." Yes. Yeah, exactly. Pointing up and down, it takes time. Hand yeah, yeah. It, it takes time and it's annoying, and you can't play with a metronome uh, that way either. It's very difficult to play perfectly, and our whole genre, our whole stick, is let's play as fast and tight as possible. So for us, we all use in ears with a click track, like a metronome. And we hear instead of each other, which is the standard in music, you hear each other play, you hear the drummer, you use his cues in your headphones as a timing to tell you when to change to the next riff or whatever. We don't listen to each other, we listen to uh, the stems. And the stems for an album are each individual instrument on single cha- channels each. So I have a, uh, an app on my phone, and so all of us do in the band, all five of us. And we have uh, this app that allows me to turn down pre-recorded guitar, pre-recorded bass, um, pre-recorded drums, and I can do a full mix of the drums from the recorded album stems uh, to whatever I want. And uh, this also allows us to have cues so I can say this next song in 10 seconds and that gives our vocalist ollie time to fin- finish up whatever bullshit joke he's telling at that time and then and then wait for the crowd to not laugh or clap and then um and then it'll count in the song it'll tell you the title of the song and then in the middle let's say day 10 of a tour of a 30-day tour uh let's say toby our other guitar player will say man i keep fucking up this part and i don't know when it starts can you add a count in in the middle so that I can hear one, two, three, four, and then I play my solo, because I'm fucking it up every time I need some help. So I can put that in on the fly, and we test it out, and everybody can hear it, and we're actually working towards a way where only he can hear it so that we can each individually... I, I, I already have that, but I just haven't done too much of it, but it's not, it's not too crazy to do, but you can see how far down that road you can go, where it's like we're listening to an entirely different thing That the audience is hearing and that's not to say that any of the recorded stuff is going in front of house so when you're in the audience all you're hearing is only our instruments but what i'm hearing is basically edited robots and myself on top so i hear the other guitar player perfectly edited guitar from the recording and so that's my standard for live so that when i'm playing i know that i want to sound as close to that as possible um and uh, and it, I I just feel like it's really helped our live show, mm-hmm. and uh, and yeah, like I said, you can go so far down that road. Like, I use the same program to to program lights. I'm using a, a DAW called Reaper, which is like so cheap. Fuck dude. yeah, is oh, Reaper's, Reaper's great. the best. Yeah, yeah I'm, oh on, I'm on God. Reaper right now. Yo. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. What, color, it's what like, colors your background? <clears throat> I have <laughs> I have like a dark gray one. I have a cool skin. Uh, I feel <laughs> I, I think I'm pretty cool. But yeah, Dark it. This like, fun. It's like, what is it, $60 US for a license? Yeah, bud. Yeah. And a lifetime license, dude. Free updates, constant updates. It's so stable. It's so... Um, yeah, it's light, and it's fucking powerful. Dude, yeah, yeah super light, and, and like the vsts i mean i do all of our pre-production on it as well so i'll take a laptop into this into the jam spot we'll track whatever we wrote that day i'll piece it together bring it home i do i record on a mac but i edit on a pc so i'll like it's just man it's so amazing like the functionality is great so
1: yeah reaper is great i've um i've been an audio engineer for about nine years now and Unfortunately, oh, yeah. the industry standard is Pro Tools, which I fucking right. hate. I, like, yeah. I know it like at the back of my hand, but mm-hmm. it's, it's such a clunky program. And I did all this research on Reaper, and I'm like, wow, this is like, this programming is so much more intuitive than, than Avid could ever think of. Even though right. Avid's the fucking, they're the chief, I, I hope that Reaper becomes adopted by post production a little bit more and, um, and, and bands yeah. that want to record themselves.
2: Yeah, I mean it's so inexpensive and uh um, one thing is with pro tools um what they use a certain file type for your plugins, right? Um I use uh. RTAS. Okay, are those are those free? No. Okay, so Reaper has free plugins. So I mean what? I like you know I don't even care if they sound good like I don't give a shit like sixty dollars US <laughs> and that's it and I have a compressor that sounds like I don't know sixty percent as oh, good as like a like, it'll, compre- it'll we'll compress it'll just be clear Pro, yeah. Pro Tools does come
1: with some good plugins for free right. but yeah. Reaper goes toe to toe I've put in hours of research just comparing the two and I'm so mad that I have to pay the amount oh, that really? I do just yeah. yeah so you
2: so you find that the quality of the of the two is not necessarily to start the difference? Between
1: standard Pro Tools, not Pro Tools yeah. HD where you have all that headroom, which is better right. for mastering and if you're doing live tracking with extreme circumstances and stuff, you know, doing doing round robins with orchestras. No one yeah. does that. That's right. not happening. <laughs> <laughs> so, Especially yeah, absolutely. Uh, Pro Tools yeah. and Reaper, the same thing. And if yeah. you're trying to record it, trying to get experience in it, go with Reaper.
2: Well, that's the thing. It's such... It, the... the Risk of getting a Reaper license, mm-hmm. which you don't need to get right away, for someone mm-hmm. who doesn't know if they even want to get into recording—it's like you can't beat that, right? So. Dude, every every single person
1: I know has thrown away sixty dollars on something they didn't give a shit about.
2: <laughs> yeah, so totally. if
1: you're if you're gonna do it, like you know, give yeah. it to these developers who make a really good doc.
2: You know what? Dude. Actually, I think um uh who was it? Oh, Glenn Fricker said. I didn't know this. It's the guys who developed Winamp. Oh really? really? Yeah. yeah, I didn't know that. <laughs> I was like, oh shit, I used to just winning it, dude. Yeah, yeah, what up guys? Yeah. yeah starting that up. Yo. Now now we're getting
0: back to my speed. winning. <laughs> 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 to to put this conversation in context, I've actually been recording a, a kind of a gore grind project. On a Tascam cassette four-track, Oh cool dude. <laughs> the the bottom end one without the EQ knobs. Wow! <laughs> so I I'm way underwater with this conversation right now. <laughs> but um, uh, I'm, but I'm the reason I'm 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 not saying that to flex. I'm saying that to set up this next, this, this question because while you guys are on this topic of all this gear and this production stuff, to kind of I I I I love that because I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners who can appreciate that conversation. Um, that's over my head a little bit. But, Dean, you play, if I got this right, an eight-string guitar, right?
2: I do play an eight-string guitar. This is correct.
0: G- generally. I'm sure I'm sure we could put all, all types of strings in your hands, and you, you'd be capable. <laughs> but generally speaking, you do an eight-string. Now, I'm a layman. I understand, you know, I'm, the guy's an artificial brain. They play seven-string guitars. I understand the general idea. But break it down for me. Um, you know, the the, the 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 guy who likes the first, the first Carcass album. You know, yeah. why, what is the difference in using an 8-string guitar, and what do you get from that?
2: Okay, so I'll tell you the reason why I got an 8-string guitar in the first place, and it's kind of weird. It's not exactly what you would expect. I got an 8-string guitar because it was just a better guitar than the 7-string that I had at the time, just because I got a mm-hmm. good deal on it, and I was like, oh, and also it has an extra string. I literally didn't give a shit, like, I, I was like, I need to play seven string, but this one has an extra string, so I'll just work around it. I'll see if I can make it work. So I didn't come at it from the angle of, I want that low string so that I can play gent music. I came at it like I wanted a better guitar, and this one was Japanese made, and the one I had at the time was Indonesian made. So I was like, okay, well, it's just a better one. Um, since then, i found that it is tough to avoid just playing open, low, chugging notes as a lot of people do when they first get an 8-string. And this is actually the reason why it's such a high turnover with that instrument and also why it's hard to market because the market of people that would buy an 8-string have already bought one and then sold it, because they're like, it was expensive, plus all I did was hit that low string, I wanted to be Meshuggah, and then I realized that I could spend my money better elsewhere, and then I sold Like, Like, seriously, I've heard that story so many times. Yeah. So the only reason why I really like the instrument is because I get the lowest extended range that I can really get on an electric guitar without sacrificing any of the highest notes. So I get the highest note, the high 24 fret E string that I can, and I also get the possibility of playing, and I do this a lot in drop E tuning. So my tuning looks from high to low, E, B, G, D, A, E, and then now I'm doing drop A and drop E. So it's like I have three E's, open E's on the fretboard, and I have so much range. It's like, for me, muting was the only thing that I had to work on. Trying to get my muting good so I didn't hit all these open fucking strings. It was annoying. Other than that, it's like, I just don't really see the uh, the reason why to move down to 7 or 6. Because I can do everything on this guitar uh, that I can on a 6 and way, way more. Um, so yeah, I don't know. It's just I think it's just a great instrument. Plus, I mean, let's be honest, it's a gimmick. I mean, really? A good it, I mean, you, allegedly, if, allegedly. Yeah, yeah. If you were like, so why do you play six string guitar? That would be a boring question. Though. Like the reason why I kept doing it is because like, oh well, people seem to like the look of it, and they go, oh well, oh you play eight string? I can't even play six string. Ha <laughs> And they would laugh at themselves like, oh my god, I've heard that joke so many times. Like I get it. Like I can't play six string very well either. Like I'm still <laughs> learning how to play six string. <laughs> and it, like, it's not like i mat. It's not like, okay, you got your certificate, you got your black belt and six string, now you get a seven string. No, no, I fucking, I still think about it like a six string guitar. Uh, my, my initial language was six string guitar. So I, all my open chords and everything and all my pitch memorization is still a six string. It's just now I just have a couple of lower strings that I can use if I want to get in that tonal range and um, without having to detune my guitar in any
0: that see that right there is what I was looking for. I, that's why I asked. I wasn't trying to <laughs> imply it was a gimmick or anything. Um, or there was, <laughs> Which it, it is. It was. A, it was. It? Or it was a, a genty mashuga type of thing because it's not obviously when you listen to Archspire. But um, for for the listeners such as myself, I'm not a guitarist. I I could I could break down a few old McDonald chords or something like that if you give me a piano or a guitar. But I'm the guy who does the death metal vocals in general. Um, so that's what I meant Was kind of like well, You know Somebody says Well why is, why do you play An 8 string guitar What do you get from that I think you just You summed it up um, Right And uh, You know You talked before About gear but, Well you know Before we got um, in- Into that kind of Like lengthy gear talk You talked about How one of the benefits Is like you're not Lugging around tube amps yeah. And things like that um, And you're not At the mercy maybe Of um, uh, different sound guys Where you go On tour every night uh, And their monitor system And things of that nature uh, now, with Archspire, I take it that was was that probably the first band you ever toured with and, and went around the, the country and, and out of state with?
2: Yeah, it's the first band that I ever did any significant things with. I was in three or four bands before, but we only did like a handful of shows here. Or, you know, over uh, you know the course of two years, they did like 30 shows or whatever. It's the first serious band I've ever been in.
0: Okay, and is it fair to say, would you agree that your band has, um, over the course of the band's history, kept up with the pace of technology that was available to you to play live, uh, you know, as your budget allowed? Like, looking back at where you were at your first show, uh, and then through the years to now, like, you guys have kind of adapted to what was available, and, and you plan on going forward that way?
2: Yeah I, yeah, I mean, that uh, I, I don't know if you, how familiar the listener is with the band that I play in, but the the, the motto of the band is stay tech, which, again, <laughs> gimmicky and whatever. But <clears throat> the whole thing behind that is not only technical music, fast music, but also, like, I say this all the time, if I could play a guitar with lasers for strings, I would do that. If it would save me money to play on strings, and it would be easier to set up, I wouldn't have to tune, like, I don't give a shit. Like, none of us... None of us care. Like, we're not, like, no, it has to be this true thing. Like, none of us care about that. Um, Like, our our drummer, Spencer, triggered his snare for the first few years of playing until he's like, eh, no, you know, live, it kind of sounds mechanical, it doesn't sound great, but still plays with triggered kicks, you know, finds the easiest way to set up those kicks so that it's consistent every single night. He's working towards a setup where he has... Uh, a drum pad in front of his kick drum if we ever do uh overseas shows with like a really shitty drum kit he's like okay well i'll attach my axis uh e-kit triggers that they're triggered um anybody doesn't know a a triggered kick drum is uh basically when you hit your beater against something uh there's a few different types of triggers but when that contact is made a trigger is something that instead of putting the mic'd audio of that thing through to the PA, it replaces it with a digital recording of the best representation, ideally, of what that instrument would sound like. So a kick drum trigger is like the same every time. And for somebody like Spencer, who plays with a double kick setup, he has two kick drums. They're never going to sound exactly the same. So, not to mention EQing a kick drum takes fucking forever. So for us to save time getting on stage you go on a tour a support tour you have 15 minutes for changeover good luck getting a good kick drum sound in that 15 minutes like you barely have enough time to get all the stuff on stage and set up let alone mix like so for us Mm -hmm. it's like let's get it sounding as good as possible from song one that's why we bring our own sound guy we rent our own digital board we have all of our presets saved we work with the same people we use as much as we can the newest technology that allows us to set up quickly um and 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 like i said before save money so that we can keep doing it and, and be relatively successful at it um and also it's like it, it's fun to do it i mean i'm like a computer game nerd so like when i'm when i was a kid i was playing like dumb little computer games and i i just like this stuff you know like I'm, I'm, I don't have, like, the best ears for recording or mixing or mastering or anything, but I just like the, oh, you got to set this thing up and then MIDI sequence this so that... Okay, okay, here's a really nerdy fucking example. <laughs> uh, uh, in, our, in our live setup, our sound guy has a microphone attached to our soundboard that we rent. It's, like, a Behringer X32, which is, like, the perfect combination of budget and best sounding and easy to use for a band our size, and so he plugs in the microphone and that microphone signal goes into our in-ear monitors and i can hear our mixing engineer be like all right cool kick drum and snare i woke up in like giddy excitement when i realized i could do that i was like wait a second wait wait this new setup we have i can give our sound guy a microphone and only we can hear him I was like, oh, my God. Like, it gave me, like, all-over-body chills when I realized that. Like, that's, like, I just love that stuff, dude. So, like, anything like that, we're going to do. Because it's, like, I don't care if it takes, uh, you know, weeks to program whatever new idea that we have. If it saves two minutes on stage, then I'm going to do it. Like, let's do it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's the kind of stuff that we're into.
0: I uh, I can appreciate that, and to be perfectly honest, um, I'm I'm from a much much different perspective on death metal. Right. Um, you know, I, I, listeners of the show know that I'm I'm the guy that likes the old school grimy stuff and. You know, recorded on the boombox in 1990, <laughs> yeah. and pressed, pressed to limited edition, 25 tapes, and all that. You know, I'm I'm that guy. I'm the demo guy. But <laughs> yeah. what you just said, you explained it. I feel like maybe some of our listeners who are kind of like you know, like me, like the elitist war grind guys out there. What you just said, though. It's like you, you kind of get a kick out of playing with these th- these um, different uh, technologies you apply to your live set, and having traveled around, you've experienced. I know what that's like lugging around equipment. Yeah, you get a tr- you got to rent a trailer. Now you're playing Tetris in the trailer, trying to figure out how to fit your merch and your amplifiers in there. Yeah, and, and so I can appreciate where you're coming from with all that. I think you explained it very well too, because whereas some people's kick might be from like. Um, how raw and filthy that you know like look at like a band like watain right or my friends my friends norton gore noise noise core band anal birth we've had him on the show you know that's gross. that's coming from yeah, look gross. at look at the band full of hell <laughs> yeah. you know coming from a very different perspective obviously but you know i i definitely understand what you're getting at, and now Through the years, I assume you're buying different gadgets and and, um, monitor devices and things like that. Is there like a high turnover rate? Do you end up with a lot of gear that's kind of obsolete after a few years or something?
2: Yeah, I mean, you do if you go cheap. Um, We've been using the same same in-ear monitor. Uh, We use the Sennheiser uh, 300G series uh, transmitters and receivers. And I mean, I've had the same setup since 2013. I haven't gotten a new set. I, I replace my actual headphones all the time because, <clears throat> like, with those ones, you buy cheap, but you get, like, a five-year warranty or some bullshit. Or like, w- whatever. Like, it's, it's like, oh, okay, cool. So, oh, my God. Oh, no, we lost it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, I'm no, so, no, so no, Oh, my no, God, no, my thing was no, no. so boring. You just, like, <laughs> passed out, dude. We'll no. I was like, shut up about the in-ears, dude. <laughs>
0: no, no, my phone slipped. I've still got audio running. Everything's good. Just, just a little... Video uh, problem. I'm sorry, brother. I'm sorry. No,
2: that's okay. Um, You're good. I, I think it really is. It's it's a high turnover if you buy cheap. So we made the sacrifice at the, the beginning where we all and this is before abandoned made any money at all. We're like let's all individually buy these wireless in ears and it'll be good for the band. And honestly, like like I said, we've used them for I don't know, fucking 400 shows or something. Like Five hundred shows, yeah. maybe more. It's like, dude, like those things are so solid. We've flown with them so many times and as long as you have a decent enough rack case and you're careful and you understand how they work then you're pretty much set so uh and i mean th- those are the ones that periphery uses uh, despise icon like, like all of our favorite like bigger bands that we know those are the ones that they use so in terms of stuff like that it's the same reason why i don't go with cheaper guitars i go with american made custom guitars and it's like okay well those ones aren't gonna break and I mean, every once in a while, everything has a problem or whatever, but for the most part, if you just invest, if you're confident that this is the route that you want to take in your life, then if you invest, then you'll just, you'll it'll pay off rather than having to constantly replace bullshit. And, and also, I'm not one of those guys that buys gear and then sells gear. I know guys like that, whether they do it avita- advantageously where they go, oh, I bought it for X and I sold it for X plus 300 bucks. Like, I can't believe I got this awesome. Or the other guys whether oh, I bought it, but then I lost 200 bucks, but I got to own this thing for two months or whatever. It's like, <laughs> I, I just, if I, it's like the, um, if you just invest at, at, uh, at first, I, I feel like it's going to be the way safer route. So not a huge turnover, uh, with gear, but there is a lot of like having to upgrade is definitely a thing. And every few years, I'll sort of upgrade. And the axe effects is really the, the only thing I've upgraded in the last four years. Is I went from a Pod HD Pro, which was like a pretty good rack unit, and I still recommend it for many people. I actually use the floorboard version for every video and every live stream that I ever do. I use a, a floorboard version of the Pod HD and it's fucking awesome. Like, every stream, people are like, how are you getting the tone? Are you using an Axe Effects? Are you using a Kemper? Is that the Helix? Is it the newest pod thing? I'm like, no, this thing is like seven years old, and <laughs> there are tones that I built, and uh, that's it. I bought it for $200 or something. Like,
1: I don't know. Those are know. great pieces. I mean, I actually have one. I, 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 oh, you I, do? Yeah, one of my friends is borrowing it. And of course, he moved down to North Carolina, but... <laughs>
2: no, I'll get it back eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need proof of that before I uh, accept that you're uh, <laughs> hey, actually own um, Just send me a picture or whatever. Oh, allegedly, oh, wow. allegedly yeah. only. I mean, I got to see it one. now. All right, gotta, well. He said weird. this I, thing, and now I got to see it. Otherwise, I can't I can't let you into the club, dude. I'm used to I pressure,
1: sold- but this is not going to go to North Carolina. <laughs> so, <laughs> I sold my 5150 for a Pod X3. Oh, and no I, way. What I, year was that? And I don't regret it. Uh, this is 2009 pod x3 you don't regret it no not at all super fun like like we we played uh we played a bunch of shows in that year and just you know plugging into the soundboard with the pod yeah it's like to me like i was i was drinking a lot of white wine at the time so it didn't really matter how it sounded (laughs) um it was just that i saved like you know the pain on the back from from lugging the cab up there right yeah great so i i I, I can relate you know yeah, mean? Then, well, yeah. then I sold it for a hundred bucks. But hey, man, <laughs> right? I lost two. I lost two hundred dollars in that. But at least I had wow, the experience. This
2: story had everything. It had alcohol. <laughs> it had gear acquisition. There was a part where I cried a little bit because I felt a little <laughs> bit like a felt pretty empathetic at your story. Yeah. Wow, man, yep. that was amazing. Dustin's good at
0: spinning those yarns. <laughs> yes, those tall tales. I'm an emotional <laughs> rubber band ball. Okay. Yeah, that's how we, thats how we got that Boston Market hat. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. A, yeah, I, I really <laughs> like that hat. Actually. Yeah, thanks, man. I only sell the spinach, though. <laughs> Flex,
0: <Flexin. laughs> yeah, he's—he's he's in charge of the spinach nowadays. Oh, moving, moving up the ladder there. So, Dean, We—we we talked about a lot. We covered a lot of ground, and we didn't even really mention your albums, um, uh, you know, or anything, man. Uh, you know, and we always say we want to be respectful of your time. So, uh, you know, we always ask people to recommend music, and quickly before we get into that, something I wanted to ask you was: uh, if I got it right, I believe *Relentless Mutation* uh, in 2017 it came out on Season of Mist Records, and that was your, your latest album. Yeah. Have you been working on something new? What, um, has it been affected uh, in any way, like recording or writing by the uh, you know the coronavirus um, thing that's affecting everybody? And um what can you tell fans that that are kind of waiting for our spire material news anything like that?
2: Um, so we started writing for that for this new album in 2018 I think uh, I think I had a couple of riffs. so right after this for right after Reation came out, um, we had a couple of ideas or whatever, but we were practicing mostly getting some new getting some new uh, performance stuff ready so just like, rehearsing the songs that we had just released and making sure that they're good enough for show uh, performance or whatever plus we were touring a lot 2017 was busy 2018 we did 120 shows uh australia <laughs> new zealand japan twice in nice. europe once in canada twice in the states uh and then 2019 we started getting more into the writing because we're like we know that we have to get the writing done as soon as we can so we started doing. I think we got three through, maybe three songs, four songs in 2019, maybe five songs. Um, and uh, but we also did some touring uh, in 2019. We did uh, what I, I, uh, a U.S. headliner and then we did a European headliner. Plus we did Hellfest and we did uh, UK Techfest and a show in Tel Aviv. Um, and we, that year we sort of we did take a little bit easier on the touring to allow ourselves to write. And, uh, and then coronavirus, we were, okay, so before coronavirus hit, we were doing five days a week writing. So all of us were getting together at the Jam Spot, writing in a room five days a week. And that was really um, awful. Uh, it was really bad. Uh, it was way <laughs> too much. It sounds like a lot. And then you're like, ah, that is a lot. Yeah, it sounds like a lot. And then, yeah. and then you do it, and you're like, this is a lot. Like, this is best a lot. That's Yeah, that, work. It's like, you know what that's like? It's like a fucking job, and so having a job is not great. But whatever, it was a—it's a cool job, and I still love doing it. But then coronavirus hit. We had I think five songs, four or five songs done, or, or whatever, in different states of pre-production and all that. <clears throat> and then now we're back in the last month and a half or two months because in the province in Canada that we live in, in BC, we've now they've now lifted most of the regulations, so you can go out you just wear a mask or whatever you wash your hands you can get together in groups of 10 or fewer i think or maybe even 20 i can't remember Uh, a lot of people are back to work Um, the cases remain low so um we've just kept our three day a week schedule and honestly it's been really awesome i i almost think it's more productive than five days a week so now, as of today, I think we just finished, for the most part, our sixth song. We have half of a seventh song done, and then we'll probably work on another song after that, and we are hoping to still go ahead with our recording plan at the end of this year, but we don't know if that's going to be possible. We're hoping, and we're just waiting for news. As As it is right now, we haven't changed any plans, so we'll see what's up, but yeah, we're getting closer to the tail end of writing a new album.
1: Dope. Are you planning on recording with Dave Otero again?
2: I mean, that that's kind of the goal. Yeah. I mean, we've been in contact with him a lot. And, I mean, he's one of my good friends. He's just so good and so... I mean, he's the first producer that we ever worked with. We worked with engineers and people that knew the genre-ish. But, you know, um, the guy in Vancouver that we worked with, Stuart McKillop, he was more of a punk guy. Um, and he was in Vancouver, so when we were going with him, we would still go to work, uh, when we weren't at the studio or whatever. So we were sort of distracted with Dave. You go and live at his studio for five weeks, six weeks, and it's in Denver and you just can't leave. So you could leave, but where am I going to go? I don't know. I mean, I know a couple of people in Denver, but I don't live there. I live in Vancouver. So you just stay in his backyard, essentially like the, in the, um, the Airbnb suite there. And, uh, yeah just focus on the album and retreat style recording with an actual producer if i don't know if anybody that's listening to it's never listened to this has never done that that'll make your album so much better uh just being able to focus on the music um yeah i mean it's just it, it definitely made the album way better than it could have been had we just recorded at a studio locally and sort of done it on our off time or, or whatever it was
0: yeah i've um I've had that that opportunity sort of uh with, oh, yeah. with one of my bands once or twice um and I, I know what you mean it's uh it's like more of a uh, engaging experience in in some ways yeah. and um I know that this is kind of like a, a a weird question you get sometimes as, as a bit because people have asked me regarding one of my bands every once in a while like you know, what, what's, the, what's different about the new material? What's different about the new album? But is there, like, a conscious way that you're, um, you're saying, let's shift this vibe, let's do this sound? Is there anything about your new material that you could say is going to be different or it's focused this way or that there's uh, this identifiable trait about it,
2: anything like that? I think um, what we want to do more on this album is make the crazier parts crazy. And the faster part's faster, but also the chiller part's more chill and more memorable. Sort of just expand everything so that it's just more and more dynamic uh, of the same stuff. Expand on the lyrical concepts, but go deeper, uh, increase the production value, spend more time in the studio, add some extra instrumentation maybe, but we're not totally sure. So just more and just better of the same stuff uh, with uh, no melodic vocals uh, anywhere that's the that's the number one no <laughs> yeah, melodic bad, vocals anywhere ever uh, ever
0: so. no uh, yeah, com is the dot website com. i always remember yeah. the name of that <laughs> website well,
2: actually you know what's funny real quick uh, we uh, one of our friends a, a guy in the in the music scene in in, in our area he was like Hey, so, uh, you guys, uh, he, we were sort of like considering working with him in a certain regard and he's like, so would you, uh, would you guys ever want to add melodic singing? And we're like, nope. And he's like, yeah, but I mean like, like never, never. He's like, like anywhere. And we're like, "No." Nope. He's like, so, uh, but I mean, he's like, but you would, you would listen to it first before you say no. And we're like, no, no, we would not. We would not hear it. We're not adding clean singing <laughs> to our band. We're just not, and that's not just shit on any band that does that. Because I like uh, several bands that have some melodic aspect to their vocals. <laughs> it's just for my band, our band, we're just never gonna do it.
1: Oh man, that makes I, me I really it. fucking I happy. <laughs> yeah.
2: Thanks, guys. God oh, damn it! Oh man! <laughs> yeah, sorry. Two out of three. That's all. Good. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, Ju- Justin was over there waiting, waiting for his shot. <laughs> Justin was gonna be, <laughs> Justin was gonna be your soprano singer. Oh man, yeah, well, yeah.
2: Well, <laughs> yeah.
0: maybe they'll come sorry, out man. with the instrumental version, and I'll yeah. just
2: hey, listen you know to that. send send me a demo. You know, <laughs> I'll listen to it. You know, before I shoot it down. Yeah.
0: No, no. <laughs> awesome, man. Um, Dean, uh, and I'm sorry, Tom, Justin, and and uh, is there anything before I segue us into uh, to music recommendations? No, no. Be respectful of, of Dean's time. No, I think we're yeah. good right now. Yeah, man, a lot All of. All right, g- so I love it. Uh, we always wrap up interviews by asking the guests to recommend one older album and one newer album. It doesn't have to be metal; could be metal. Just anything you want to recommend to us and to our listeners. Um, who can say, uh, I checked out this album. Dean Lamb from Arch Spire said it was cool.
2: Yeah, um, I think the the best new-ish album that I really have listened to was that newest Infant Annihilator album because that album was <laughs> fucking insane. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it was. I was just listening to it like, man, this is like the future of... It's like futuristic death metal, deathcore with like disgusting elements and it's like programmed to shit edited drums that are like so incredibly fast like it's just it was great um, I really like that one and uh, as far as older music my favorite album and it's weird to say this but I guess this is true my favorite album of all time is Machinations of Dementia by Blotted Science um, if you guys know that album it's uh, Ron Jarzenbeck yeah Watchtower Spastic Ink uh, and also has uh, Alex Webster from Cannibal Corpse on bass and uh, yeah that album's I mean, it was on repeat for... Since it came out, I think it came out in 2003 or 2004. I mean, dude, it's been so long. and I Seven. Just,
1: 2007.
2: 2007. I just mm-hmm. can't stop listening to it, man. It's so awesome. It so Tom's many what, what, what,
0: what, Yeah. What was that again? What, what was the album? The
2: old Machinations one? of Dementia by Blotted Science.
0: Okay, I have to go back myself. To be perfectly uh, transparent, I'm not familiar with that. I got to check that out. Alex Webster? Okay, I'll peep it.
2: Yeah, Yeah. it's it's like instrumental, extreme, technical death metal. Um, Hmm. But, like, the grooviest riffs I think I've ever heard in the genre. Like, only a band like Decapitated or Surreption have had equally or somewhat equally groovy riffs. Like, I... And, and actually that album, Machinations of Dementia, was the album that showed me drop A tuning on a seven string. I'm like, oh shit, drop A tuning is like the perfect tuning. It's so <laughs> heavy, <laughs> and it's just low enough where you get like something about that drop A string, man. It's like in this fre- frequency range that just something about it is just so awesome sounding.
1: It's near so the brown note.
2: I guess, yeah, I guess so, it yeah, dude, yeah.
1: Hits you around there.
2: Yeah, hits me. <laughs> Which um. <laughs> it's actually the reason why I have to go right now is because I uh, <laughs> I started thinking about it and then I uh. kind of lost track of something. Uh, I love that record so All much, right, man. Thanks, yeah, oh thanks yeah, that's a good up. one. Yeah, that's a good one.
0: All right, Dean. Well, we appreciate that, man. We appreciate the recommendations and we do appreciate your time and you talking to us tonight, man um a good good conversation man you know I, we didn't even get to get into your album so much because we were talking about a lot of other stuff and um that's all good uh, we, we, we yeah we got up to a, to a great start but uh again you know just to plug the most recent archspire album that that again is relentless mutation on season of Miss records it came out in 2017 uh you just explained how you're working on new material uh again your wife claire um the hallowed catharsis is her band that she plays guitar in and the New album "Kill Owner" is out on Lacerated Enemy Records as of this past June.
2: Yeah,
0: uh, and you have your uh, Dean Lamb YouTube channel, which is highly recommended. Um, people can check out uh, kind of in- <laughs> infotainment, <laughs> like, yeah. like it's like it's, ed- it's educational, but it's fun also, man. And um, and you learn about music, you learn about death metal, and um, with kind of a sense of humor and a personality, man. So hi- Highly recommended.
2: Thanks. It's sort of the only outlet that I could possibly imagine where I get to combine my obsession with jokes from the sh- the, the old series, like the old seasons of The Simpsons, and death metal <laughs> guitar. So I just get to put in all the jokes that are just on fucking repeat in my head. Like every day, it's my whole sense of humor is based on season three to seven of The Simpsons. And then also playing death metal and then me and my wife just talking and just making fun of each other that's like all those things uh plus some other goofy bullshit that's like the only outlet i could imagine with all of those things coming together
0: big, big crossover uh in the scene for that man you would be surprised <laughs> man um, all right dean so um uh, and did, did we miss anything is there anything you want to plug anything you want to say to listeners uh of your music watchers of your youtube channel or listeners of our podcast
2: Um, The only thing that I would probably recommend is if if you are interested in getting some guitar lessons, and I get messages about this uh, quite a bit, I don't do private guitar lessons very much anymore. I transitioned into this way, way, way cooler thing where I do a really inexpensive monthly thing on my YouTube channel for members. So you can join my YouTube channel And you become a member where I do a weekly group lesson every Saturday and they go up for only members and you can just like hang out, ask questions. I go really in depth into some boring, nerdy bullshit that maybe guitarists would like to hear about where most people couldn't give a shit less about. So pick technique, (laughs) using modes, how to compose music using built chords that you can analyze and like... Boring bullshit for most people, but for the (laughs) however many people that hang out on on my weekly uh, group lessons, it's it's very fun and it's it's uh, in my opinion better than a private lesson because then you can watch it again. Record you you can watch like old episodes and you know it's I I think it's a really cool thing. So if you're interested in that, head to my YouTube channel and hit the join button.
0: Fuck yeah! There you go. Just another reason to check that out. Yeah, that's very cool. We'll link that in the uh, the old description.
1: Oh, thanks. Thanks again for your time, man. Really uh, appreciate you hanging out with us, talking about no, the thank YouTube you channel, mm-hmm. ArtSpire, Spire, everything. It's been a pleasure.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, buddy. Goodbye. I don't know if I should hang up right now or should I, should I hang out for.
0: Alright, Dean Lamb from uh, Arch and obviously from his YouTube channel. Uh, we appreciate his time and uh, thank him for uh, talking to us tonight, man. That was awesome, man. Nice guy. Nice yeah. guy,
1: man. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, man. And um, uh, you guys are nice guys, but um, I <laughs> everybody's nice. But what I really want to know, <laughs> listen, we could be nice all day. What are you doing for me? What are you bringing to the table in terms of uh, recommendations of extreme oh, metal music man. tonight, guys? Oh uh, man, I'm
1: I'm I'm so nice. But what's, yeah, I hope
0: you're nice with the recommendations, nice guy. <laughs>
1: but what's also nice is my yeah my recommendation for this week. Get your notepads out, get your half chickens out. That's why I bore this Boston whoa, market, whoa, what a, wore, this, what? wore this Boston market hat for this band right now. Fetal Juice. Say it three times, and you'll be sorry. Uh, that you didn't say four times because <laughs> fourth time you remember it better uh this is fe- this is fetal juice, uh, fetal, juice.
0: <laughs> fetal juice fetal juice f- oh, fetal right. juice uh, uh, yeah sp- I love sp- it when they. I love the f- when when fetus is spelled with the foe that's how you know it's really cold That's right that class Common. yeah. yeah that Commonwealth yeah. spelling
1: <laughs> so we got fetal juice <laughs> out of Manchester England uh their record gluttony which came out June of this year on Gorehouse Productions Mm -hmm. um i'm talking specifically now about the the video for the title track gluttony which i sent to you boys (laughs) yeah it was a lot of fun. yeah i just love how it just opens up with with the gut you know more things should open up with gut uh you know nice song about about gore and eating and murder and eating yourself you know and and all that kind of shit uh we have really good old school um florida inspired murdery gory death metal going on here um Little flashes of of grind and, and punky, a lot of D beat stuff going on. Uh, production is just like thick, pig roasty kind of vibe. I uh, just, lo- I'm I'm in love with the energy of, of this record. Uh, it, I it, for me, it it puts it puts me somewhere between like um like '90s late '90s Cannibal Corpse and King Parrot, and just hmm. fucking rules. So this you know this band isn't reinventing the wheel. They're not doing anything like Overly, uh, you know, pushing the boundaries or anything like that, but it's the, the way that they're doing it uh, is—it's just fun. It's cheeky and it's—it's—it's it's, it's fucking huh. tight, dude. Um, yeah, so I just keep—I keep coming back. To little it. cheeky, definitely yeah. a little fucking cheeky, cunts over here. Uh, really fun. <laughs> so yeah, fucking fetal juice. Hope you have it.
0: Yeah, I—I really—I um, enjoyed the video, man. And you know, it's funny that I'm watching the video at first and I'm thinking to myself. They're playing a live show. They went to the trouble of shooting this live video somewhere on stage, and the guy's just wearing a blank white T-shirt. Okay, uh, you know, whatever. You know, usually a guy wear a, ban- a band shirt in the video, and then uh, then I see the. Vi- I'm not gonna spoil the video, but then I was like, okay, I get it. But but yeah, great. This this that video was really good. Struck me as kind of like a like a death metal styled gore grind yeah. band. Like you said, not reinventing the wheel, but catchy, really cool man. And that video is over. That we gotta encourage everybody to check out the new Fetal Juice uh, video. What was the song? Come on. Yeah. Gluttony. Okay, yeah, check out that video, man. It's on YouTube, man. Good video.
1: So tonight, I'm recommending something new—an EP by the band Sutra. The EP is called Alethia. Came out March 13th, 2020. So a few months ago, been out for a while. Maybe some of you might know this. It's a real joyride of an EP. It gets really fucking heavy and then gets really light at times, with a with a, a real purpose behind it. The songwriting just captures clouds wind and then clashes with an entire forest rolling down a goddamn mountain it's brutality and harmony coupled really well uh, Sutra incorporates southeast Asian instruments and a mantra-esque uh, motif kind of movement throughout. The drummer Kevin Paradis, he's a session drummer for this band, he's from Be so I'm sure a lot of our listeners know Be nighted how, how quick and crazy that drummer is if you need a mm-hmm. referent you okay. got some crazy shit on here. Excellent playing. This is tech mixed with a calming, ethereal style of music. Very interesting. Some really beautiful instrumental parts, some harmonies. Uh, written by some of the guys who are in Cathelist. So it's hmm. kind of like a, a brutality and uh, heads, headspace-y kind of band all mixed into one. Uh, using motifs throughout, there's kind of like variations of one or two riffs that just keep happening and they're different in how they're performed the speed in which they're performed uh which i've always really liked when a band could pull that off and, and keep it interesting the whole time i honestly think that this is the kind of ep that really does well after like two or three listens the first listen you might almost get distracted because it's not like if you're used to listening to grindcore and shit like that that's just in your face you might fall uh, away from its attention for a little while because it's so spacey and airy but it's really beautiful writing so give this a couple listens if it doesn't hit you the first time because it's definitely worth it the songwriting is killer if george harrison was into death metal this would be his band
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, i don't i don't know enough about the beatles and george harrison to back that to co-sign that one but, um, yeah, I found this to be, like, really uh, just beautiful music. Um, and for, like, kind of like a death metal frame, like, perspective on it, uh, it, it, it captures some of what the newer, I guess, dissonant, Gore Guts-inspired bands are doing. Um, but it, it captured kind of like that, like you said, that, that, that emotional tension um, and kind of, uh, like, ethereal quality of, like, new new, wave, uh, new age music. And I guess certain certain forms of jazz and, and things at times. It was it's a really beautiful record, definitely death metal, but um, a different flavor of death metal altogether. It's like like a, a, a new age death metal or something. Really interesting music and, and um, something like a like a like beautiful breath of fresh air right now uh, for for death metal. If you're if you're a little tired of, of the inundation of certain like uh, st- waves and styles nowadays, so, like. This is something completely out of left field.
1: Yeah, I like this band. Uh, I first got onto them on their previous full length, Dunes, which is um, which is all the same vibe, but this this EP is like a little more refined. Uh, it's like if if like Fallujah is kind of this uh, North American Prague kind of style death metal. Uh, this brings the same etherealness, but with that um, Eastern vibe, and it's, and it's very fun. Uh, also the, yeah, the I, singer is uh, the singer plays for Sirerox also oh, oh yeah I forgot to mention that too which is which is that nice. Sorox. yes
0: yeah, yeah. The, the, um, that group of guys is uh, what an amazing group of musicians that are responsible for so much uh, awesome metal and death metal adjacent music yeah. like this and yeah i, I it's funny because you, you mentioned Fallu- Fallujah did pop into my mind, but Fallujah to me is more of like a Um, uh, production-wise kind of ear candy type of thing with all the melodies going on. It's like a a very sweet saturation of sound. Mm -hmm. Whereas this struck me as um, I I guess something a little bit more reserved and, and calm. You know what I mean? It's it, like it's it's it wasn't like this it wasn't waves and waves and waves of melody yeah uh, like Fallujah does which I do like Fallujah for for that reason you know but this was like a different mood altogether you know it was it was cool they they took time and stretched everything out so that you you, you every note had meaning you know it was great I'm a
1: big fan of this it, it reminds me of like uh, you know I don't know the, the a lot of the prog metal popping up in the um, like 2008 2010 kind of realm Um even like single guitar like production artists like Chimp Spanner, Keith Merrow, kind of stuff like that. It's got that, that sweet prog-like fucking virtuosic guitar vibe to it.
0: Now that I'm a, a hipster, I might do yoga to this. <laughs> see, how, see how it goes. Stoke. Uh, I'm talking about Bedsore from Rome. All right, uh, straight up and down. Twenty bucks spin um, is putting out their album. Let me get. Let me see if I get this one right. Hypnagogic hallucinations. Hip, hypnagogic hallucinations. <laughs> <laughs> Hyp, hypnagogic hallucinations. <laughs> uh, and um, it's probably going to be out by the time this episode's out. They're putting it out in late July, uh, 2020. Twenty bucks spin really. I'm not going to sit here and tell you everything that Twenty Bucks Spin ever spun <laughs> <laughs> is my is my old time favorite. But um, I got to say, lately they've been on some streak, man. I'm a big fan of the Twenty Bucks Spin label and a lot of their releases. And lately, with the the um, uh, Solithus, the um, uh, Void Ceremony. That new Ulthar, uh, and now this Bed Sore, which I'm, I'm highly anticipating coming out um, later this month, should be out by the time the listeners hear this. And there's been um, several songs put out on YouTube and things like that. You can check out the artwork and check out some of the songs. This is going to be, in my personal opinion, um, an, an event. Uh, this, this is just like, it's. I'm trying to think of the right words because I, I don't want to like make it sound derivative like it's some copycat band of older bands, but it's in more of the traditional 90s style, I guess, sonically production wise with what you're hearing. But I really think this is like forward thinking death metal in a way. Um, it 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 shows respect for the the kind of like tried and true masters of death metal. And there's, I guess, maybe familiar... Techniques and themes, but they have a they have a sound all their own, and I feel like with them and Void Ceremony and Ulthar in particular, tw- um, twenty bucks spin has been kind of cultivating uh, and curating a very specific pocket of, of death metal. Um, maybe for fans of like Morbis Kron or more recently Swevin, um Horrendous, uh, and uh, and man, um, I'm actually wearing the shirt of right now, uh, Execration from Norway. Um, just kind of bands that are taking an old school spirit and an old school, s- not not an OSDM sound, but kind of an old school approach, and pushing death metal off in their own direction, you know. So I I, I feel very strongly about this Bedsore album, Hypnagogic Hallucinations, and um, I'm I'm definitely gonna get on that pre-order game, man. So check check it out. It should be out by the time the listeners hear this, and if not, there's there's definitely songs from it that have been put out on YouTube and yep. social media and Bandcamp. bedsore uh out on 20 bucks spin who's not paying me money underneath my record player or anything like that allegedly i just like some of their bands man damn it father 20 bucks um yeah yeah they didn't slip me the 20 bucks underneath my (laughs) come on um and neither did dean lamb he didn't pay us for that interview and we didn't pay him man we just do it for the love of the game over here come on it's heavy whole podcast thank you to dean lamb of Arch Spire and of the Dean Lamb uh, YouTube channel that you could check out. Um, he explained, uh, I thought that was interesting um, when he talked about uh, instead of personal lessons, he's doing this YouTube channel you could join and it's kind of like, like a, maybe uh, I guess you could call it like starting more of a community based uh, uh, thing around, around his, his, uh, his insight, and his knowledge that he could share with people. Absolutely, and his YouTube channel—I've um, been following
1: it for nine months, maybe a little bit longer—and I love watching it grow. His audience is growing. He's super interactive. It's a lot of fun. It's a great experience what he's set up so far. Very forward-thinking guy on, yeah. when it comes to YouTube and the gear, as he's explained so eloquently in this episode. Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome. Like he's uh, you know he's he's pushing the boundaries as far as interactivity um, with members of bands and. It, it makes perfect sense with Archspire kind of being on the cutting edge of technology as it comes out, uh, and you can hear it in their sound and, and obviously, you know their live performance as, as you laid out. And, uh, I think that's very fun. It's exciting. You know, it's like the, it's the other end of of the the bare bones kind of stuff that we usually talk about.
0: And the other thing I was going to say was, uh, you know, even if um, Arch, we we encourage all if if you've been living under a rock and you haven't heard Archspire, we encourage you to obviously check out Archspire. But if Archspire isn't even um, necessarily your cup of tea, we, we, sh- we think anyone who's doing a band, a label, anything, check out what he's doing with YouTube especially and with social media. And in this day and age, with everything going on in the world, um, uncertain times for getting back to playing live and things like that, um, if you're looking for a way to promote your music and promote yourself as an artist, he's showing a great example of what people can do. Um, If you just set your mind to it and, um, you know, you you just uh, apply, um, you, you know, apply yourself to the technology that's at your disposal. Speaking of social media, Will, I mean, we got social media stuff, right? I suppose. Yeah, listen. But we can't get too deep into the tech talk again. There were some moments in that conversation where I walked away and I fed my cat because I, I don't I'm talking about I'm talking about Reapers and Interface. I I don't know what's going on, man. All right, but but yeah, we got social media. I know you. I know you can go on Facebook with the rest of the guys, the the over forty crowd, <laughs> where we talk about death metal and whatever social media of choice. If you're like one of the kids and you got the Instagram on and you just you know you. you you want to get on that Heavy Hole Podcast and follow us for clout on Instagram, you know, with all the kids. Uh, you can do that too, but you can do all that by going to HeavyHolePodcast right, Justin? That's exactly
1: right. Will man, I couldn't have said any better myself. I'm going to try to now. Uh, HeavyHolePodcast dot com. Uh, go on there. Whether you're on the Googles. Or you're on the safaris Or you're on the internet explorers or the Firefox Or maybe you don't want anybody to follow you And you got Duck Duck Go going on right now well, the, the search ducks. engine is not great But they're not going to track you And they're not going to send you the ads So check out HeavyHolePodcast.com Maybe you want to put a little backslash shop And uh, pick up a goddamn sticker pack Alright oh Maybe I got like a little bit left I'll send it to you uh, <laughs> All you gotta do is buy one And I'll send it to you no problem Like we'll work it out uh, I heard keep, keep
0: keep your eye out for uh, for new uh, merchandise in the future. Maybe I heard Safari and Fox and and Duck. This is this is crazy, man. What are you talking about? This guy's trying to get people walking around Hector Park finding T-shirts or something.
1: There's a one-way sign in Hector Park now. If you're walking around, you better you better heed that, or you will get a ticket. What you won't get <laughs> handed out is the promo code, which is Chunky Riffs, and it's still going on. So get yourself oh. free shipping on Heavy Hole Podcast sticker packs. You still uh, doing that? You, you know, yeah, you, you got the little uh, the little half dollar size uh, logo stickers. They come in red and black. You got your, your skull-ass microphone, respectful of your time, big-ass circle. You got your uh, big Will, allegedly. He's a lawyer. Oh, He's wearing oh, a suit. He looks oh, really good. Oh. My cousin Will, my uncle Will, it, it's really, that should be the name of the movie. Uh, check it out. But, you know, on the homepage, Listen. you can leave us a voicemail <laughs> also and I really want you to leave us a voicemail because I don't
0: hear any of your voices don't tell people I went to college it's going to blow my whole image Okay, <laughs> um, especially all those people making fun of me out in the scene there, uh, in, the, in the art gallery scene well, well speaking of
1: college I went to college do you know how many uh, credits I got?
0: one